needs anymore. But I got this camp meeting voice going on, and it's, uh, it's threatening to just depart from me completely. And I want to make sure that I have enough of voice to, to continue through this message. Um, I'm so glad to be home. I'm so glad to see everybody. I thank the Lord for what he's doing at Tree of Life Church. And uh, God has blessed the last several weeks. This summer has been a, a busy summer. But the Lord is doing some amazing things in his kingdom. And I thank each and every one of you for your prayers. Uh, because your prayers truly helped me to do what the Lord had assigned me to do over these last few weeks. And I thank you for that. And the Lord bless you for that. I'm reading this morning from the gospel according to John chapter 2. I want to read from the beginning. First verse of John chapter 2, read a few verses of scripture in your hearing. The word of the Lord says this, The third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water, they knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom, saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. When men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But you've done something different here. Thou hast kept the good wine until now. And I want you to take, take close notice of the 11th verse. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and the disciples, his disciples believed on him. I want to speak to you this day on this subject, the beginning of miracles. The beginning of miracles. Can we lift up our voice unto the Lord and ask his blessing upon the preaching of the word today and upon this great gathering of God's people. Lord, I thank you for all that you have done and all that you are doing. I thank you for your spirit that moves so freely among us. I thank you for your word, for it is spirit and life. It is a lamp and a light to us and our path. I give you praise today for all you have done and are doing, and I pray that your word will go forth to heal to set free, to deliver all that are bound. We give you all the praise and the glory in the mighty and the matchless name that is above every name. The name of Jesus, we give you praise, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This, of course, is a Miracle of great noteworthiness for many reasons and not the least of which because it is the beginning of miracles. It is the first recorded miracle 
that we read about in John's account of the gospel. And verse 11 of this chapter makes note of just a, a couple of things that I want to point out to you as we begin this, this message today. Number one, it was the beginning of miracles. Two, it was to manifest forth his glory. And three, when it was finished, his disciples believed on him. And I want to take note of those three realities that this was the beginning of it. And that this was a manifestation forth of his glory. And that it caused his disciples to believe on him. This is what we must understand about the miracles of Jesus. That they are a manifestation of his glory. Now his glory is not something that we just say flippantly or haphazardly. We must understand what glory is. Glory is the visible representation of the invisible God. So when the Bible speaks of the glory of the Lord, you've heard that mentioned, that, that his glory. We might even say, Lord, we bring you glory. Or we might say his glory filled the house. Or we may say, wasn't that service glorious? We have already stepped into the glory of God already today. But that glory that the Bible talks about, it is simply, uh, in simple terms, it is the visible representation of the invisible God. You do know that God is invisible. That's one of the unique things about him. He is invisible. It's one of the things that the heathen criticize. But it's one of the things that the faithful are so grateful for because he confirms his word, even though he is invisible, he confirms his word in very visible ways. And so his visible power is made evident, and when it is, that is his glory. So in the Old Testament, the Bible says that a pillar of cloud would follow them by uh, day, and that was his glory. They could actually see a cloud, and it was a visible reflection of an invisible God. And by night, there was a pillar of fire, and that was his glory. They, they saw a large column of fire, and it was a visible reflection of an invisible God. In the Holy of Holies, the fire would fall upon the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, and it was his glory. In one place, the scripture says that the priests could not stand and minister in the temple because the glory of the Lord had filled the house. So thick was the visible manifestation of the invisible God that the priests could not wade through it effectively in order to minister. And so there are moments when his invisibility is made visible and we call that his glory. This is why the Bible describes that, that men actually do show forth the glory of God and that women show forth the glory of God in their unique distinctiveness. The way they physically appear, they actually reflect the glory of God. And, and that it is important to understand that and to remain separate unto the Lord for that purpose. Because you reflect the invisible God in a visible way to a world who can't see your heart. They can only see the outward appearance. And so it is a beautiful thing that God creates all things to show forth his glory. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. So very truly, 
when you walk outside today, you're going to, you're going to see the glory of God. You'll call it the clouds. You'll call it the sunshine or the rain, but it's the glory of God. It is a visible reflection of the invisible God, and this is his glory. And the Bible said that when Jesus performed this miracle, which was only the beginning, it was to manifest forth his glory. That's something we must understand about his miracles. They did not, hear me now, they did not simply rectify a situation. They also manifested forth his glory. There are some times that God will wait to perform a miracle because he's not just fixing things. He's also manifesting forth his glory. And there are times where we will wait for a miracle and we say, God, I'm ready any moment. Oh, God, do it now. I need a miracle right now. And the Lord, the Lord is using you as a willing vessel to show forth his glory. The invisible God is asking for a visible reflection. And this is why you have watched in awe at people who have gone through a terrible crisis of their faith only to see them with uplifted hands and a humble heart worshiping God and you come away saying, oh my, isn't God a good God that they could go through all that and still worship his name. You're looking at the glory of the Lord. You're looking at the glory of the Lord. And so there are many miracles. <clears throat> One of the miracles that took place that really, it not just fixed the need, it didn't just fix the need, but it also manifested the glory of God in a unique way is when he fed the multitudes, both times that he fed the multitudes. There was a particular place in scripture after these events when the disciples were with Jesus and they forgot to take bread with them. And Jesus said, have you any bread? And they were like, oh, wow. I'm so sorry. We completely forgot bread. And this was long before Uber Eats. They're, they were not able to respond to, to his need. And he was like, that's fine. That's fine. We'll just keep going. And then when he's talking about the Pharisees, in, shortly thereafter, he makes this statement. He said, beware of the leaven, which is a bread term. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And the disciples, having just notified him that they did not bring bread heard him say, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And because they were in a state of self-condemning, they were, they were feeling bad and said, oh, he's bringing up leaven because we forgot the bread. They jumped to a conclusion that was not there. They, they put pieces together and tied things together that didn't exist because they were condemned in themselves. Sometimes you can hear the actual word of God and feel like he's condemning you when he's not. Because you feel condemned in yourself for things you forgot to do, things you should have done, things you wish you would have done. Jesus wasn't condemning them. And he, he discerned their thoughts and knew they had reasoned in their hearts that he was upset about them not bringing bread. So he's now bringing up 11 of the Pharisees. And this is how he responded to them. He said, are you seriously going to think that I'm like lashing out at you because you didn't bring bread? Were you not there for the feeding of the multitudes? And then he asked them this. He said, how many loaves did we have? They said five. How many baskets did we pick up? Seven. How many? Seven. Can't hear you. How many? Seven. And remember when we had seven loaves and we fed the multitudes with the seven loaves? Yes. How many baskets did you take up? Twelve. How many? Twelve. Eh? Twelve. That's what I thought. Seven. 
and 12. And you still, he said this, you still don't understand. I didn't need you to bring bread today. The seven meaning a, a, a number of completion and perfection. Twelve meaning a number of perfect divine order. And he, is, he, he was doing more than feeding multitudes, ladies and gentlemen. He was manifesting forth his glory. He was speaking of his completing power and his divine order. The kingdom was coming together. And he was using the hunger of the multitudes to demonstrate how his kingdom is coming into order. So, so there came a day when he walks out into the marketplace. And there's a man who has been blind from his mother's womb. And I, I'm telling you, when you're going to show forth the glory of God... You might go through some really long periods of suffering. This man had been blind from his mother's womb. And, and he wanted healing. And his disciples asked him the question, why is this man blind? Is it because of his sin? Or is it because of his parents' sin? And Jesus said, it is not because of his sin. And it is not because of his parents' sin. Now that's an important question to ask. Anytime. We come across something we cannot understand and cannot explain that may be a crisis of our faith or a trial of our faith. We immediately need to examine ourselves and say, Lord, if there be anything in me that needs correction, God, I turn from it right now. We need to be doing that every day, ladies and gentlemen. Every day we need to die to our flesh. Every day we need to turn from our wicked ways. Every day we need to, to come afresh to the presence of God, ask for mercy, ask for forgiveness, and especially when we come into a trial we cannot explain. But it doesn't always have to do with something in us that needs to be corrected. So the Lord said to the disciples, it is not because of his sin that he is going through this. And it is not because of his parents' sin that he is going through this. And then he explained why. He said he is blind Today, because he is going to manifest forth my glory. My glory is going to be manifest in him. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to tell you what he, he didn't only mean I'm going to open his eyes. He did mean that, but the way he opened his eyes was going to demonstrate the glory and the power of God. Because he came to preach the kingdom. He came to explain how the kingdom was going to come to be. And so when he walks up to this blind man to perform the miracle, I'm going to tell you, if it would have been me walking up to that blind man, I'd have anointed him with oil, put, you know, streaked it right across his forehead, laid hands on him. I know what I'll do. I'll grab this hanky right here. Bless God. Put anointing oil in it. Fold it up. I'd ask a few of the disciples to come around. We'd pray for it and stick it in the man's pocket and say, God bless you. But Jesus didn't do that. He did something really, what we would say is strange. He actually spit in the ground. And when he spit, it's one of the most unusual miracles of the Bible. But I want you to know something about Jesus. He doesn't do anything randomly. He doesn't do anything arbitrarily. Everything that he does is with purpose. Everything he does, he does from before the foundation of the world. He spits into the ground. And he begins to mix the spittle with the clay. John took note to explain that he mixed the spittle with the clay. And when he put that mixture of spittle and clay into the man's eyes, he commanded him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And when the man did, he could see. 
Now, I want you to understand the demonstration of what was happening there. When that spittle came out of his mouth and descended to the ground, we see in that a glimpse and a picture of exactly what the Lord did when he came down into this earth. A part of him came from his mouth, went to this earth, the dust of the ground, the clay of the earth, it went to the dirt that you and I are made out of. On that day that the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. And that which was conceived in her was of the Holy Ghost. The spittle was mixed with the clay. That, that breath of God. And inside of every breath is aspiration. It's, it's, it's actually inspiration. It's droplets. We, we learned that the last couple of years. That every breath has some respiratory droplets in it. And I want you to know that the pneuma of God has respiratory droplets. And those droplets came down into this earth. And the everlasting father became the only begotten son of the living God. Hallelujah. When the, when the, when the substance of God was mixed with human clay, he puts that understanding in our eyes. And when we wash our eyes with that truth and with that understanding, you're going to see things you have never seen before. The darkness that has been upon you all the days of your life, that darkness is going to lift from you. The blindness that you have experienced that has been such an impediment to your daily life, that blindness is going to be cast off of you. They who once walked in darkness shall see a great light. I want you to understand he wasn't just opening blinded eyes that day. He was showing how blinded eyes are open. He could have opened those blind eyes any day of any week of any year, but he said, I'm doing it on this day and I'm doing it in this way and I'm doing it at this time because I'm not just opening blind eyes. I am showing forth my glory. And you might think that, well, I think I would do that a little differently. If the man's blind, I'm just going to take his blindness. Well, you're not God and I'm not God. And you don't know stuff like you think you know stuff. And I don't know stuff like I think I know stuff. I will tell you this. When the glory of the Lord appears in the time it is supposed to appear, you don't even think about what was going on before the glory of the Lord showed up. Hallelujah. All you can do is be captured and mesmerized and behold the glory of the Lord. I want you to know that when God came into the earth, we beheld the glory of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Hallelujah. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That is the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He came into the world, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own and his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. 
and the word was made flesh. That's a fancy way of saying the spittle was mixed with clay. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. The beautiful glory of God, ah, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place, was never more evident than when God became a man. That's why when the angel appeared before the shepherds in that flock by night in the beautiful Christmas story, they said, be not afraid, hallelujah, for I bring you good tidings of great joy unto you this day in the city of David is born a savior which is Messiah Jehovah Christ the Lord when he revealed to them the identity of Jesus the Christ it wasn't just one angel anymore talking do you know when that story opens up it's just one angel it's an angel a great light mind you a great light shows up and shines round about the shepherds and it's one angel be not afraid, bringing good tidings of great joy unto you this day in the city of David is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The moment he identified him, the moment that they knew who he was, the moment it was revealed to them that Jesus is the Messiah and he's the Yahweh of the Old Testament, the moment that they understood that, the Bible says, then all the heavenly hosts appeared. I'll tell you, when you see, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. When you see who Jesus is, you see a lot of stuff from that point forward. When you have that spittle mixed with clay put in your eyes and you wash it out, you're going to see things you've never seen before. And the whole heavenly host appeared. And this is what they said together. Glory to God in the high. This meant this is the highest glory that you will ever know. There is no higher glory than when God became a man. It's higher than the pillar of cloud by day. It's higher than the pillar of fire by night. It's higher than the fire falling in the holy of holies. It's, it's higher than the Red Sea parting. It's higher than the walls of Jericho falling down flat. It's higher than the Lord saving Noah and his house from the flood. It's higher than Daniel's lion's den. It's higher than a fourth man walking in the fire. Glory to God in the highest. Yeah, Jesus is the highest glory of God. Oh, hallelujah. This fact, this truth, that God did not leave us comfortless, but that he came to us. This fact that he is not a, just a, a powerful being that is far off from us, that we cannot feel him or find him. You can feel him if happily you might feel after him. For he is not far from every one of us. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what we've been through and who we are and where we've been because he became like us. So we could become like him. Glory. 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 Hallelujah. I, you know what? I'll lose my voice today preaching it to you. I don't, I don't even care. I'll just lose the whole thing right here and right now because I'm going to tell somebody. He's glorious. He's glorious. He's glorious. 
Hallelujah. And so, so there were many times where he would perform a miracle. And while he's performing a miracle, he's revealing his identity. So, so they let a man with, with, that was lame down through the roof. They tore a hole through the roof, let him down before him. And Jesus is about to heal. They wanted healing for his body. And instead of just healing his body, Jesus said, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And they were like, who is he to forgive sins? He wasn't just there to heal a lame condition. He was there to manifest forth his glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This, this, is, this is why he operated like he did and performed so many miracles. This is why he would heal ten lepers of the leprosy in their body, and which means that the leprosy went away. The leprosy stopped. The leprosy was no longer in their body. The leprosy could not wreak havoc in their body. And ten of them ran away, and one of the ten stopped, turned around, and came back to him and said, Listen, I know we're supposed to go show ourselves to the priest and confirm this healing, but I just want to let you know, thank you. Ah, thank you for what you just did. Jesus said, where are the nine? Because I healed ten and only one has come back. The Bible says the one that came back was not just healed, but he was made whole. That's different than being healed. Healing means that the leprosy is gone and it can't do any more damage. Being made whole means that the damage the leprosy did has now been erased. The difference between the tenth leper and the other nine lepers is that they still look like they once had leprosy, but the tenth leper was walking around like nothing ever happened. He's just living life and nobody even knows. Because Jesus wasn't just there to heal a leprosy. He was there also to show forth his glory. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. You are a chosen generation, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. That you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness. Into this marvelous light. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, I could go on all day talking about these miracles. But, but I would go on all day. And so I won't do that. But I'll just take you back to where it all started. To the very beginning. And we gleaned some principles from this beginning of miracles. I want you to know it wasn't even time for miracles to start. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something. Don't underestimate God's ability to operate outside the context even of his own timing. It was time for Hezekiah to die. And Hezekiah went to God. We're going to get to that in a second. Hezekiah went to God and said, God, help me. And God, outside of his own timing, healed Hezekiah. And said, I'm elongating, I'm elongating your life. I'm going to tell you, God is God. And nobody else is. God is God and your doctor's not. God is God and your lawyer's not. God is God and your preacher's not. God is God and you're not. God is God and your enemy is not. He is the Lord and beside him there is no Savior. He is the Lord and beside him there is none else. It 
wasn't even time, Brother Sizemore, for a miracle yet. His mother went to him and said, they need wine. He said, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. And I often wondered, well, it must have been like five till or something. Because, like, I mean, it's not long after that. And he's saying, all right, set up six vessels, which, again, he's not just here to perform a miracle. He's here to show his glory. Hallelujah. Six vessels, the number of man. Man was created on the sixth day. He is setting up six vessels, the number of man. He's getting ready to show you not just what he's going to do at this wedding feast. He's showing you what he's going to do with man. Six vessels, line them up, and I want you to pour them up with water. Pour them up with water. And they started pouring in one jug after another and said, is that good? He said, up to the brim. Every last one of them up to the, none of them can be half full. None of them can be a quarter of the way full, a third of the way full. Let me tell you something, child of God. You can't be half full, a third of the way full, or a little bit. It's got to be up to the brim. Come on, I, I'm going I'm to preach it in Jesus' name. We can't be carnal. We can't be casual. We can't be complacent. We can't be, we can't be lax. We can't be lacking. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are soldiers of the cross. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors. Endure hardness as a good soldier. Oh, you got to stop letting the devil define you. Telling you that you're weak and defeated. Telling you that you have no strength. Telling you that you're depleted. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. The devil is a liar. You are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Filled with the Spirit of the living God. And I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question. If God be for us, who can be against us? The answer to the rhetorical question is this. It doesn't matter who's against us if God be for us. My God. My God. You're strong. You're healed. You're healed. You are healed. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. I said, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. That means everything in me has to bless him. So if they did an MRI and found something in me that I don't want there, then it's going to have to bless the Lord. If they did a CAT scan... And they see something on your organ or your bone or whatever. And, and they're telling you that it's life-threatening. You commanded to bless the Lord. I don't even want that thing. You don't even want that thing in your body. But if it's in you, it doesn't have a choice. It's going to have to bring glory to God. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and bless the Lord, all that is within me. If you've got a wound in you, it better bless the Lord. Don't you let it drag you into hell. You better let it bless the Lord, all that is within me. 
My God, I'm not going to let my inner wounds make me bitter and make me hateful and make me resentful. No, sir. No, ma'am. Any inner wound I may have had is just going to be a life lesson to show me how to love, show me how to treat people, show me how to forgive. Because all that is within me is going to bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Who healeth, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, and who healeth all thy diseases, 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 who healeth all thy diseases in the name of Jesus Christ, who healeth all thy diseases, who healeth all thy diseases, who healeth all thy diseases. I'm talking about the word of God. I'm going to tell you something. If he could be here today, and if he had the strength in his body to open up his mouth and do it, he would. He'd be right over here in that corner, Brother Robe, where you're sitting. And he'd be shouting out, oh, hallelujah. I can hear Brother Terry Williams saying it right now. Oh, hallelujah. I need somebody in this house to lift that voice for that precious man of God. Oh, hallelujah. He'd do it if he could. Oh, hallelujah. We stand upon the word of God who healeth all thy diseases. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Brother Duvall, you know what else he'd say? He'd say, preach. So I better keep preaching. Because I'm going to tell you what started this miracle. I'll tell you exactly what started this miracle. The number one thing that made this miracle possible was that they invited Jesus in the first place. They called him to the wedding. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know what you got on your plans, but you better invite Jesus to whatever you're doing and wherever you're going. The scripture says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. And, 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 and listen, when we, when we do that, when we quote that scripture, that's usually where we stop. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. That's pretty self-explanatory. But it goes on to say, in all thy ways. Hallelujah. In all thy ways. Brother Derek White, in all thy ways. Everywhere I go. Everywhere I'll be. Hallelujah. Jesus is mine. Jesus is mine. He's invited to my wedding. He's invited to my marriage. He's invited to my ministry. He's invited to my prayer room. He's invited to my workplace. He's invited to my cubicle. He's invited to my assembly line. He's invited to my college room. He's invited. He's invited. Invited. He's invited. I'm before I go that way, I'm going to acknowledge his presence there. Is that him hiding around the corner? All right, I can go. I can go. In all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge him. And he shall. It's a, it's a promise. 
You don't get lucky and go the right way. It's a promise. He shall direct your paths. Moses, listen to what Moses said. Moses said, God, I'm not going if you don't go. I'm not going if you don't go. I can't do anything. Brother Enos, he couldn't do anything without the presence of God. And he said, he said, I, I, if you're not going, I'm not going. Lord, I, I can't stand before Pharaoh unless you're there. I can't stand before a Red Sea unless you're there. I can't, I can't, I can't call manna from heaven, water out of a rock, quail from heaven. I can't lift up a brazen serpent. I can't put water in a tree and water and heal it. I can't do anything unless you're there. I'm not having church if God's not there. And I'm not going to a church if God's not there. Why do you think we're praying before service starts? Because we're saying, come by here, Lord. Come by here. We're in need of a miracle. Lord, we don't want to go through the motions. We want a touch of the Holy Ghost and power. God, we don't want to go through some vain religious ritual. No. We want the miracle working power of God. Why do you think we spend the first half of the service praising God? Because we've always done it that way. Because he inhabits the praises of Israel. Hallelujah. So, yeah, we come in and say, Lord, I love you. Lord, I praise you. Lord, you're greater than everything. Hallelujah. You're greater than sickness. You're greater than disease. You're greater than poverty. You're greater than famine. You're greater than violence. You're greater than the princes of this world. You are, you're far above all principalities and powers. You have subdued every enemy under your foot. What am I doing? I'm praising him. And he is in that praise. Invite him to your wedding. And I'm going to tell you, you got to prepare the place for him to come. Clean it up. Clean it out. Repent. We don't preach a gospel without repentance. Repent isn't some little word Peter used on the day of Pentecost that we just hurry by and get you, throw you in the water and dunk you in Jesus' name. No, 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 no. Repent matters. It's the reason why you have continued problems in your heart and mind. Because of unrepentance. But when you repent... And walk away from wicked ways. And if you don't know it's wicked, ask the Lord and he'll show you. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Hidden sins I don't even know I'm committing. Show them to me. And when he shows them to you, and it's the stuff you like most, walk away from it. Repent. Because that's the only way Jesus is coming to the wedding. Jesus shows up at the wedding. When he gets there, he finds out they have a need. Bring your needs to him. Hezekiah, I know, you just heard it. It's the will of God for you to die. Isaiah, Isaiah literally said, hey, the sickness is the one that's unto death. I'm sorry, it's the truth. This is the one that's unto death. That's what he told him. And as Isaiah leaves the presence of Hezekiah, Hezekiah turns his face to the wall and says, help me, God. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't know what was the greater miracle here, the, that God healed him, or that he changed the mind of God, or that the sundial went back 10 degrees to prove and confirm that the Lord had heard his cry. There were three notable miracles in that one healing of Hezekiah, and they were all to show the glory of the Lord. 
And so, so Hezekiah said, Lord, I have a need. That's what you've got to do. Invite Jesus and then present your need. This is my need, God. I'm not arrogant enough to try to handle this on my own. I need help with my kids. I need help with my finances. I need help in my marriage. I need help in my body. I need help. I need strength. I need you to help me. If, you've, if you are guilty of something, bring it to God. Help me. Help me, Lord. Help me. She said they have need of wine and they need help. Woman, mine hour is not yet come. What am I to do with you? And then he said, line them up. We're going to fill them up with water. Hallelujah. And when he did, the Bible says that when he, when he said to Mary, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. That Mary walked over to the servants of the feast. And this is the third thing you got to do. Number one, you got to invite Jesus. Number two, you have to present the need. And three... You got to do what Mary said to those servants. Whatsoever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says, do it. Don't just get a, you know, God doesn't give us revelation so we can sound smart. So people can say, ooh, that's deep. Whoa, man, that's deep. No, he didn't give it to you so you could sound smart. He gave it to you so you could live victoriously. Whatever he says to you, do it. I wonder what would happen if we would live up to the revelation he has already given us. I wonder if we would live up to the power of prayer we already understand. I wonder if we would live up to what would happen if we would live up to the power of praise that we already understand. To the power of faithfulness that we already understand. Why would God reveal anything more to us when we're not even utilizing what he's already revealed to us? Some of us know to do things in the name of the Lord that we just are not doing. Uh-oh, I'm on a nerve right here. I might be on somebody's nerves right now, but I'm going to keep on digging at it. Hallelujah. Because God, God is calling somebody right now. God is calling somebody right now to invest yourself in the knowledge you already have because he wants to show you great and mighty things beyond what you already know. But it's not going to happen until you obey what he's already said to do. So whatever he says to you to do, do it. Do it. Do it. Doesn't matter how complicated it sounds. Doesn't matter how confusing it sounds. Whatever he says to you to do, do it in faith, believing, stagger not at the promise. Do it. My God, have mercy. We've experienced that in the form of giving in the last several years. And God has blessed tremendously. Anybody been blessed by the giving that the Lord has moved upon you to do? I was in Nova Scotia a, a, week, a little over a week ago. And while I was there, the, the, the district superintendent got up and said, we've got to raise money tonight because we, we have, God has called us to do great things in this district and we need to raise some funds tonight. And while I'm sitting on the platform, the Lord spoke to me and said, you need to preach this message, the testimony of what God has done at Tree of Life Church. And he changed everything I was going to preach. And so I, I was preparing to go up and preach. And as I've learned, whatever he says to you to do, do it. You know, we ended up raising a record offering for the Nova Scotia district in one service. It broke barriers and broke bondages that night. 
I was sitting in front of the, uh, the day speaker who is a great evangelist, and, and he was sitting right beside me. And when the call came forth to give, he typed in a number to give and, 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 and texted it to the giving platform. And when the giving platform received it, literally five minutes later, his phone dinged, and a pastor in Arkansas said, I'm sitting here in my living room and the Lord spoke to me and said to send you a PayPal transfer of funds. And it was two and a half times what he had just given to the Lord in the offering. It was a 250% increase of what he had just given in the offering. It was a substantial amount. He, he tapped me on the shoulder. He said, Brother Urshan, I have to show you something. I normally wouldn't show details, but here it is. And he showed me what the Lord had done. And I began to rejoice because it was an immediate confirmation. God's not just trying to do miracles. He's showing forth his glory. He's showing forth his glory. We're not just going to walk away from it with stuff fixed. We're going to walk away from it with neighbors saying look what the Lord has done we're not just going to walk away from it with a miracle in our body we're going to walk away from it with a miracle in our city invite Jesus present the need and then whatever he says to do, do it God's talking to somebody right now to do something for him and you got to do it you know what they did it you know the Bible says that they filled up those water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim. And when they got to the brim, immediately they were changed to wine. He was showing what's going to happen when those water pots, meaning the number of man, when man receives the gift of the Holy Ghost. See, when we praise God, that's what it is. It's like water filling a water pot. Lord, I praise you. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I give you glory. Lord, I give you honor. There's none like unto you. You are the great I am. You are the altogether lovely. There's no one greater, no one stronger, no one higher. You're filling the water. You're filling the water pot. Keep filling it. Keep filling it. Don't stop. I love you and I praise you. I worship you and I give you glory. There's none like unto you. You are the great I am. I worship you. I worship you. I magnify your name. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to run out of room and you're going to run out of words and you're going to want to praise him, but you won't know what to say next because you don't have a word better than the ones you've already used. You've called him awesome, but he's more awesome than awesome. You've called him great, but he's greater than great. You've called him mighty, but he's mightier than mighty. So why don't you just move aside and let the Lord take control of your tongue and praise himself using you as a vessel. And when you do, that water is going to turn into wine. And that language is going to change to a heavenly tongue. And you'll be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Can I get a witness today? The final thing we do, hallelujah, is we celebrate. They started, they started celebrating. The governor of the feast said, man, usually it's the other way around. And let me just, just so you know, Jesus wasn't, Jesus wasn't 
adding some kind of fermentation to this wine. There's too many scriptures that deal with drunkenness and reveling and too many scriptures dealing with that for this all of a sudden to be a departure from what God had already said. Jesus wasn't sloshing around getting everybody intoxicated. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. That was not what was happening here. It was good kosher. It was good kosher drink that they were drinking. And when they were drinking it, this is what happened. The governor of the feast said, the best wine has been saved for now. Normally, it's the other way around. Men have, after they have well drunk, then they bring the, 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 the poorer wine. But they've saved the best wine until now. Once again, he's showing forth his glory. Because that's exactly what he did with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. He has saved the best for last. We're living in the last days, and the best miracles are coming. The best glory is coming. The most wonderful glory is coming. Hallelujah. I said the best is yet to come. This is just the beginning of miracles. Oh, hallelujah. I thank God for what he's doing at Tree of Life Church. Oh, but that's just the beginning of miracles. I thank God for every blessing of giving. I thank God for every blessing of provision. I thank God for every blessing of healing. But it's just the beginning of miracles. You wait till he feeds the multitudes. You wait till he raises Lazarus from the dead. You wait till he walks into a funeral procession and pulls a kid out of a coffin. This is just the beginning of miracles. Somebody lift up your hands and celebrate with me the glory. The glory of the Lord. Come on, stand to your feet with me right now. Put your hands together. Lift up your voice unto him and give him praise for every miracle. For every miracle. Hallelujah. Our musicians can come. Listen to me now. You know what I do a lot of times? A lot of times I'll tell people, instruct people to praise God for the miracles that are coming. In advance. Don't wait till the battle's over, but shout now. Praise him in advance. But you know what I'd like to do today? I'd like to praise him for what he's already done. Come on, if he's brought you out... Without a doubt, if he saved your soul and made you whole, I think we ought to praise him today and celebrate the goodness of the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, I feel like sometimes the stresses of life weigh us down and we forget to say, God, you have been good to me. You have been good to me. You have dried the tears from my eyes. Don't you let the present day stress and the present day trial rob you of the gratitude in your heart for what the Lord has done in your life. I want a grateful child of God to come to the front of this house with hands uplifted, with a heart full of praise, saying, God, I thank you. I give you glory. I give you glory. Come on, because it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. It's only the beginning. We haven't seen anything like what we're about to see. There are miracles coming. Miracles and signs and wonders. We ought to give him praise for what he's already done. 
Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. If you were praying for your child and the Lord moved on their life, I want you to throw up a praise to him that he's worthy of. If you were praying for healing in your body and God brought healing to your body, go ahead and give him praise right now. I can't, I can't get away from it. Brother Jamie Diley, there's a gratefulness coming on you. There's a gratitude for the goodness of God, the blessing. You heard your children. You hear your children now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You answered prayers back then, and you will answer now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You were providing then. You are providing now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You moved in power then, God moved in power now. You are the same God, you are the same God. You were a healer then, you are a healer now. You are the same God, you are the same God. You were a Savior then. Surrendering it into your hands right now. 
this house and we have a God who is able and willing to supply every need according to his riches and Oh God. 